Hey! Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we look back at the Manitoba Scotties and ahead to the Viterra Men's Curling Championship with Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun. As well, all you need to know if you want to get involved to help Special Olympics athletes from Manitoba get to the Canada Winter Games in Thunder Bay later this month. That's all on the podcast. We will start with the big game yesterday, and that, is, of course, was Gary Anderson beating Jennifer Jones in the final of the Manitoba Scotties. A wild roller coaster ride that began with a steal of two by Jennifer Jones. There was a steal of three by Gary Anderson. There was another steal of two by Jennifer Jones, and Anderson with the steal in the 10th to seal the deal. Amazing. She talked to Merrick DeCash of Global News earlier today. About the final emotional roller coaster that one. Holy man, so many ups and downs in that game. Uh, but we just kept our composure and just stayed relaxed. And um, we we never let the game, even if we were down, we just we never gave up. And I think that's key to a lot of success in teams is you, you just never give up and um, you keep fighting, and um, good things will happen. And what about the experience she brings into this, her third Scotty's birth? The more times you go, the more the better. Uh, you get the experience, and uh, um, so I think that it'll be good for me. We I lost the final in it before, so uh, um, I know what it'll take to uh, to get us there. And what did Anderson think of the experience in a small town like Rivers? Oh, Rivers, it was uh, absolutely amazing. Um the turnouts of the crowds from the 9 a.m. games to the 7.45 games, there it was always packed. And it's amazing how in small communities everyone just comes together and supports it. So it was uh, a really uh, awesome atmosphere. Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun was in Rivers covering the event and joins us now. Carrie lost her first game of the tournament to Abby Ackland, Ted, and then just didn't lose again. Let's go back to that game. When she lost that one, what did you think would happen this week? I definitely thought they were in some big trouble, and so did they. They recognized that that loss was very costly in their pool. It was not a team they would have been expected to lose to. You might lose to Jennifer Jones, and then you're, you know, and you still finish with a four and one record. But when you've added in a loss to a team that you're not supposed to lose to, that puts you in a real issue. And, uh, it really wasn't until Friday night that they kind of bailed themselves out of it by winning in an extra end against Jennifer Jones because if they lost that game, they could have been into a double tiebreaker and just fighting for their very lives. The truth is they were fighting for their lives the whole time, and I talked to all of them yesterday after the event, and basically they said that did help them because they really have a backs-against-the-wall kind of mentality, and they were able to use that to propel themselves forward to seven straight wins and a Manitoba championship. Almost like a wake-up call then right away. I would say so. And it wasn't even like they played that terrible of a game. They weren't particularly sharp. I could definitely tell from watching Terry's body language that she was struggling with the draw weight. And uh, I remember seeing her on an early draw, maybe halfway through the game, kind of given a little half-hearted fist pump when she actually made a draw because it had been that difficult. And, then she had trouble with her last rock in that game as well, where it looked like a draw would win the game for her, but she wasn't comfortable with even trying it. And she tried to hit instead and ended up crashing. So 
that kind of lack of confidence really concerned a lot of people watching, thinking that's not somebody that's going to win. But clearly that changed, and the, the confidence started to build. And when Carrie gets hot, she's as good as anybody out there. Um, and really, her draw weight has been her issue throughout her career. She's a great hitter. And then what happens? She makes one of the best draws you're ever going to see to win the championship on Sunday night. So, yeah, her numbers in last year's championship in Gimli were pretty bad. Yesterday they weren't awesome. And what was one of the weirdest finals I think you'll ever see, because not often, you might see a steal of one here and there, but multiple massive steals in a championship game between Jennifer Jones and Carrie Anderson. That was stunning to see. And unforced steals, really, too, Christian. I mean, especially the three that Jones gave up, uh, that's just simply not being able to read the ice well enough and not being able to uh, make the touch shot really she just needed full eight foot and she gave up a steal of three pretty rare for somebody of her caliber of curling with all that she has on her resume and then Carrie Anderson gave it right back a couple ends later with a steal of two and you know you're thinking at that time who really wants this Uh, everybody's kind of uh, flailing away out there and and trying but it's not working well and I did talk to all of the curlers they said the ice was tricky It was the same for everybody, and you could see that both teams had trouble with it. And even in the last end yesterday when Anderson won the championship with her last rock, Shannon Burchard told me nobody on their team made a single shot until that one. So basically they had seven misses and then one great one, and they win it. Isn't that kind of the beauty of curling, though? Because this is what happens sometimes where the skip has to bail out a team. One shot can change everything, and it was almost like – Team Jones had so many rocks piled up in there because of all the misses from Anderson that they ended up giving Anderson only one shot to win. She makes it, and now they're left with something really tough. Absolutely. It was a puzzling end in that way because I couldn't figure out what Anderson was playing when she's allowing Jones to have so many rocks in the house. And I'm thinking at that point, we're barely into third stones, and I'm thinking she must be saying, I'm going to just have to make one pistol here at the end. To try to to try to win it because that was their only chance. They were going to give up a multiple end if she doesn't make that shot. Obviously, the, Jones wouldn't even have had to have thrown her last one if uh, if Anderson's last shot wasn't perfect. So, you know, that's where it ended up. I think Jones tried to take it away with her first rock, but really it it went too far and left the hole open. And having just thrown it, Anderson threw it about two or three feet deep the first time. This time she really had no problem with it at all. It was a it was a great shot and a great ending to the game. But again, you're right. It's a bit shocking to see the number two and three teams in Canada have such a struggle to try to, you know, to, to do what they want to do on that ice uh, for throughout that final. Definitely a topsy turvy matchup, and it sets up now the wild card game again with two teams from Manitoba. Anderson had to play through that the last couple of years. She's so relieved to get out of that now and it's Tracy Fleury against Jennifer Jones in that wild card game hard to really predict what could happen in a one game playoff right yeah you watched the semifinal yesterday here in Manitoba same two teams extra and Jones has to make a rock uh, a draw with her last one to win it and she makes it it's going to come down to something like that again these two teams have played each other a zillion times they are both you know among the top teams in the entire world and it's a 50-50 toss-up to see who's going to win that game whoever has 
the last rock and the last end probably is going to have the best chance. And then again, in last night, that's not the way it worked. So, you know, it, it's going to be, it's really, it's great for Manitoba because the wild card has come into play to help a province where there's just so many good teams. You've got the top three teams in the in Canada right now, three of the top five in the world. They should have a chance to be more than one of them in the, in the Scotties, especially when, you're having teams in there from Nunavut and Northwest Territories and Yukon who really don't compare in any way. So I think that the that Curling Canada got it right in creating this uh, wild card situation, and I think that it's being taken advantage of by the Manitoba teams. Ted, I read your article about rivers and the, our last thought on the Scotties here. A, some, a really small town putting on this event. You compare it to Winnipeg hosting the Viterra Championships, which we'll get to in a minute. How did Rivers do in putting on this event? Well, I think that I can say it all in in saying that there are 1,200 residents of Rivers and there was 1,000 people in the arena on Friday night. That pretty much tells you what you need to know. The entire town was a part of it. Uh, everywhere you went, people were a part of it. It's uh, They were coming from all the neighboring communities. They were coming from Brandon. They were coming from Winnipeg. The town put on a great show, did a great job, fantastic facility there. For a town that size to have a facility like that is really impressive. And all the curlers were very impressed, and I imagine we'll be seeing more events there in the future. And does it give hope to other small towns, or is it really the facility, the new building, that gives them that edge? If you build it, they will come, Christian. I think that's the only way to look at it. Ted, would it be a massive upset if Team Reed Carruthers loses this event? Well, it is the Mike McEwen rink now. Okay, uh, I'm never must, sure what to call uh, must it. Let's make that distinction. Yeah, it is Mike McEwen is the skip and throws the fourth uh, stone, so the the team is now named Mike McEwen. But um, yeah, I mean they're the favorite to win this thing this week. There's no doubt about it. If they don't win it, they're going to be in the wild card game. They've got that in their back pocket, but I'm sure they don't want it. Um, they'd much rather represent Manitoba and um, win this prestigious event. Uh, I think that they're. Obviously the favorites, but it's not a runaway. Um, Jason Gunlickson is high up in the CTRS rankings this season. So is Tanner Horgan. He's uh, got a team with uh, with the up and coming, very well, highly regarded third Tanner or uh, sorry Colton Lott um, at third there, and then you've got um, Braden Calvert, who's done well on the tour this year as well. So these are not. It's not a, a gimme by any means for uh you know for mike McEwen, but again they have all the experience they have two of the skips basically between Carruthers and and mike McEwen. reed Carruthers is the third now of course between those two they've won everything for the last half a decade at least so you're talking about uh you know a, it would be a real shock if they don't win it but they lost the game in the round robin last year and were on one life for a while so it can happen. It's not like they're unbeatable. Now, l- comparing the formats between the, the Scotties and the Viterra, the Scotties, there was a l- more limited field this year. Pool play, Jennifer Jones hates the pool format. In the men's, you got a triple knockout style. Which do you prefer? Well, I think that if you talk to uh, the curlers in Rivers this week, and I did talk to a lot of them, and you talked to some of the coaches, people who were in the game for a long time before this, I think people prefer, on the women's side, a triple knockout, which 
maybe you would have eight to 12 teams and you just do a triple knockout from there. Um, I'll just do a quick aside, Christian. The rural teams in the event, and we're not going to count Carrie Anderson of Gilly on that one. Uh, that's sort of a name-only thing. But, um, you know, the, the teams that came from Arden and from Thompson and from Miami, uh, you know, they didn't get a lot of wins. I think between them, a couple of wins. And that's, a you know, it's tough. It's so hard for them to come in and play on arena ice when they haven't been doing it and play against teams that play on arena ice exclusively. And and it's just, it's really tough. So there's still, even with a 12-team field, there's still this huge difference between the teams that, uh, you know, are still more on the rec side and the teams that are professionals almost. Uh, so that that still there's still some questions that need to be answered there. But I know that the women generally, I think, would prefer a triple knockout and what they don't like and what Jennifer doesn't like is just how the, the early games don't matter that much. And then there's not that many games early in the week. And then all of a sudden at the end of the week, she played Anderson and then she played Flurry, and then she played uh, Watling and then she played Flurry, and then she played Anderson. And then she's going to play Flurry again in the wildcard game. So I think she feels like maybe there's just a little too much at the back end and the front end doesn't, you know, matter as much. So, uh, you know, there, there's curling is an incredible sport in that if you don't like how the formats are done, just wait a year and it'll be different. It's kind of that's the way it's been for a long time. And on the men's side, however, the Manitoba men's championship has been this way for a long time, a 32-team. It's actually a double knockout followed by another double knockout followed by a page playoff. It's not a true triple knockout. Um, and it's been done this way for a long time. And it seems to me that the men like it that way. Um, you talked to a lot of guys last year in Verdon, and they do enjoy the format. They enjoy the getting together with all these curlers that they only see at these kind of events and, you know, trying to work through it. There's always going to be dissenters, and there certainly are people who, you know, there are some curlers who are uh, grand slammers who don't necessarily like having to go and play against the 32nd ranked team in, in Manitoba. But, I think guys like McEwen and Carruthers understand that there's no chance for that 32nd best team to get better if they don't get a chance to play on arena ice against really good teams. So it's about growing the game and it's about deciding a good champion. And I think Carl Manitoba quite likes this format for the men. Ted, I appreciate your time as always. We'll see you at the rink and we'll read your work in the Winnipeg Sun. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Christian. Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun, just to get you caught up on the other playdowns that happened in the women's and men's games this past weekend. BC women's, Corin Brown, her first appearance in the Scotties. She beat Sarah Wark. Krista McCarvel makes her eighth appearance in the Scotties with a 6-5 win over Krista Burns. Rachel Holman, no surprise, beats Holly Duncan in the Ontario final. In the men's side, Jim Cotter through BC for the ninth time, defeating up-and-comer Tyler Tardy. Matt Dunstone... Manitoban skipping in Saskatchewan defeats Kirk Myers over there. Brad Jacobs and Brad Gushu both through. Of course they are. So is Jamie Cooey. Cooey in his 14th. Brad Gushu is 16th and Brad Jacobs 12th appearance at the Briar. John Epping just his second after beating Glenn Howard. James Grattan's 13th appearance beating Jason Roach. And now you are caught up. Just Manitoba and Alberta left to determine on the men's side. The women's field completely set.
I am joined in studio by Darren Anderson of Special Olympics Manitoba. Thanks for coming in, Darren. Thanks for having me out. February's a big month for Special Olympics, isn't it? It is for sure. So what do we have coming up at the end of the month? Well, at the end of the month, we're going to be sending our largest uh, provincial team ever to the Special Olympics Canada National Winter Games in Thunder Bay, Ontario from February 25th to 29th. How often are these games held? Uh, every four years for winter. And uh, look, just like the Olympic exactly, cycle. Exactly. Exactly. We're kind of just on the opposite where it's our winter, it's their summer okay. kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. So how many, again, athletes are going for Manitoba? Uh, we're sending 60 athletes and 25 coaches and mission staff this year. Okay. So... How did you get involved in Special Olympics? Uh, well, uh, my sister uh, actually had an intellectual disability and uh, these types of um, you know, organizations that serve uh, these individuals really uh, spoke to me. And when the, when the position came up, it was uh, kind of a natural fit and you know, been there for about six years now. So. Explain the kind of work that, the, that these athletes put in to be able to go to this event. Okay. Well, every uh, so every four years provincially here, we have a Winter Games as well. And so that was last year held in Winnipeg. And that's where we were able to choose this provincial team from. So pretty much from when those athletes were identified until now, the athletes have been training, you know, two, three times a week in their sport, plus uh, doing their own fitness and stuff on the side to kind of keep up in, in shape and whatnot. Okay. So when... We think of the Olympics, we have, a you know, the, the sports that come to mind. Is it similar for this event? Well, for this one, we actually are sending in, uh, sorry, uh, athletes in uh, five-pin bowling, uh, cross-country ski, alpine ski, snowshoeing, floor hockey, and curling. Okay. So some winter sports. Some yeah. winter sports, but, you know, some, some sports that you're doing because it's, you know, floor hockey, it's cold out yeah exactly exactly and bowling is new to winter this year just with the sheer number of athletes that participate in five and ten pin we had to split it up between the two uh summer and winter games okay sounds good so we've got you know over a thousand athletes going to this event we've got all of these coaches are a lot of these coaches volunteer positions yes they're all volunteer okay 100 percent so I imagine then you need some fundraising to help get people there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And what we've been doing kind of since we named the provincial team last year is kicking off our draft and athlete program, which is uh, aimed at raising about $1,500 per athlete to uh, send athletes to games, but also to contribute to the training and development along the way as well. Okay, so how can people get involved in that? So people can uh, check out our website, specialolympics.mb.ca, and uh, there's more information about the provincial team there as well as uh, the ability to donate. Um, You can also contact our office at 204-926-8352 have a chat and we can kind of bring you up to speed uh, about what's what's going on that way and uh, really just um, you know bringing our athletes together with the community is what this is all about and kind of really building that inclusion that special olympics is really known for right and how many athletes have been drafted quote-unquote so far you know we've covered probably at least two-thirds of the team i think we're looking at about another 20 athletes that we could really use some some funding for so we've been really uh, pushing up pushing it up in the last two months just with various events and um, just getting the word out through our teams across the province to help uh, fundraise for the school. So I don't know if the right word is, you know, what do I get out of this? Because it's obvious, you know, you're giving back, you're helping these individuals achieve their dreams. What other, I guess, perks would be part of this draft and athlete program if you were to pitch in money for this well we definitely would do recognition of any kind of uh, corporation that would uh, come forward as a sponsor just through our you know social media newspaper ad following the games that type of stuff as well as uh, communication from the athlete themselves from games like every company and individual that sponsors an athlete will receive you know communication from the athlete you know from thunder bay letting them know how they're doing and then we'll follow up with a nice recap after the games as well nice so is this 
draft an athlete idea, a relatively new thing, or is this something Special Olympics Manitoba's been doing for a while? Uh, we've been doing it for a while. Yeah, no, actually, this is the 30th anniversary of our oh, provincial wow. team program. And so we've kind of, in some way, shape, or form, been doing this for the provincial team kind of since since that inception. And um, yeah, it seems to be growing every every games and every chance that we have to get out there and you know, promote the athletes in these communities where they're training and living and working amongst everybody. It's yeah, just fantastic. With Darren Anderson here, a Special Olympics Manitoba, the Winter Games coming up at the end of February, February 25th, they launch in Thunder Bay. What happens between now and then in terms of the getting ready to go, the excitement, the nerves? Well, I know uh, in all the communities across the province where we have athletes you know, coming to this thing from, uh, we're, we're, we usually do little send-offs in each community. Uh, we're going to be having one in Winnipeg on February the 20th at the uh, Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame uh, at the Sport for Life Centre. And just kind of building up the uh, the hype, and, and we have a staging camp for the athletes where they all come in before they depart for for the games as well, where they kind of get to know everybody on the larger scale of the team and whatnot. And then, yeah, everybody heads off on I believe the twenty third and or twenty second and twenty third to uh, to Thunder Bay. So it'll be pretty awesome via flight. Yes. Yes. No bus ride this time. <laughs> exactly. So you mentioned that your sister uh, has an intellectual disability. What kind of I don't know if satisfaction is the right word, but when you see these athletes performing and the kind of training and effort that goes into it, what kind of appreciation do you get for that from them? You know what? It's it's very, very heartwarming. And, you know, I say this to everybody who, you know, hasn't, you know, touched Special Olympics yet, but maybe is thinking of and getting involved. It's really one of those kind of special um, organizations where you're able to easily see the impact of what you're doing, you know, right up close and personal. Um, you know, we always encourage everybody who's a supporter to come out to any, not just, you know, provincial games or national games, but to the local club programming or our local competitions. I know we're having a, a try it day at the end of February, on February 22nd as well, where we're bringing in, you know, people who have not maybe been involved before, but maybe want to try a few things out, like just really, um, you know, to get a larger appreciation of what Special Olympics is all about. And you mentioned the communities across Manitoba. How many different towns are producing these athletes? Well, we have athletes from all seven regions of the province. I think the farthest uh, away being Thompson this go around. But uh, overall, there's probably about 170 programs across the province that are, you know, developing our, you know, athletes for the provincial team. And I almost said young athletes there, but that's not not the case. I think for, with this year's team, we've got anywhere from the ages from 14 to 64 representing wow. the province, which you don't find, you know, in, in generic sport, which is which is amazing. And I touched on the uh, the very first provincial team in 1990. I think we still have about 17 of those athletes who are active and, and competing today. So it's kind of a testament to the, you know, the power of sport and, you know, what special can give to these individuals with uh, you know intellectual disability. All right, Darren, I uh, appreciate you coming in again. The website, if people want to learn more, uh, specialolympics.mb.ca. All right, appreciate your time coming in, Darren Anderson from Special Olympics Manitoba. The Winter Games coming up February 25th to 29th in Thunder Bay. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?